Thank you for being with us today. We would love to have you join us in person. To partner with us or to give online, go to www.upperroomohio.com. We hope you enjoy this message. Let me tell you a story, all right? It's Memorial Day weekend. How many are excited? Good to see you. It's a fun time of year, um, but we, we um, I woke up today so tired. I'm like, man, why am I tired? And then I kind of figured it out. Well, um, let me just tell you what's happening, and, and we get to include you in on just a really cool thing of what happened. Us pastors, we take an annual retreat, an annual thing. We, we've been, been to Bethel Leaders Advance um, and so many things. So what we were trying to do this year is go to St. Lucia and do a ministry trip and have some fun, and the dates just weren't working out. We were trying to get it like late winter, early spring, because, you know, who doesn't like to go to the Caribbean when it's cold here? So the dates weren't working out. So one night, just on a whim, I said, you know what? Let's just go to Charleston, South Carolina. We don't need to do a conference or, or ministry time. Maybe we just need to be together, do a retreat, and do our own ministry with each other. So at that moment, we get, I go into the office. It's the only city I mention. I go into my office, and Nicole is there. She's doing, working on some stuff with me alongside of me there. I'm looking at Airbnb at Charleston, South Carolina. And... At that very instant, a message comes in to our church messaging system saying, hey, we see that you, uh, we found your website through Steve Backlund's website, and we see you do have house churches, and you have a house church icon on your website. We would love to find out more information and see if we can be a part of that here in Charleston, South Carolina. And I'm like, whoa. You ever have like those God moments? There's too much connection for it not to be like a God thing. So what we did was we contacted them. We ended up doing a FaceTime uh, conference call with them. And uh, then they came here in February. If you remember, we blessed them, Tony and Jessica, to go back to Charleston. Well, since then, we've formed an official covenant. And within two weeks of their return back to Charleston, there was three or four, I believe four more house churches that contacted them to say, hey, we hear you're starting a house church movement. We want to be a part of it. Now, let me just be really honest with you. We, our house churches are called life groups, all right? They, they look like life groups. They, they feel like community, but a lot of people call those house churches. And uh, so we know that's kind of the wave of the future. We know, like, we want in the temple, we want corporate worship, but we also want house to house, like it says in Acts. They met daily in the temple and house to house. So we see the need for both, but we really put it on our website as like a prophetic declaration that we eventually want a house church movement. Well, then it all, all of a sudden comes to fruition. A month ago, they get given a retail front, um, like, a, like a space within walking distance to the university there. So these things are unfolding. And then so we take our retreat there, and we also meet with them. We get to launch them, pour into them. So that's why we went to Charleston. And it's just an amazing thing. Since then, we've had two, if not three, other churches reach out to us to ask Upper Room to be their covering, uh, to be their mentorship. So God's opening up these big doors. We're just trying to keep up with the momentum and, and, and just know what to say yes to, what to say no. But we wanted to include you in on that. It's exciting that Upper Room has a house church movement going on in a really beautiful city called Charleston, South Carolina. So who knows? You may, some of you may end up there from time to time or go visit or even be a part of that. But we're excited for what God's doing, spreading the kingdom, right? The kingdom is forcefully advancing and forceful men and women lay hold of it, Right? So here's a fun story with that. So we plan this trip. We pay for the Airbnb. We pay for the flights of all the pastors. And then all of a sudden, my daughter comes home, and she starts crying. Our oldest, Chloe, she's 11. She's in fifth, just finished 
No, wait. They go to school till Thursday. Finishing fifth grade. She comes home crying, and she's like, you guys are going to miss the LT Ball Mall. That's the name of their school, and they do a mall. The fifth graders create a product with a partner, and then they sell it, and the elementary students come over and purchase those products to, to teach marketplace. And it's kind of this cool thing. So I have a chat with her. I was like, now, honey, you know, we have this trip planned. You know, this isn't like an award ceremony. It's not an art show. It's not your wax museum. You know if it was a big deal like that. Uh, the wax museum is an annual thing. They do at LT Ball where they study a person all year. They do presentations over it, papers. And then near the last day of school, they do this. They, they become the character. And you push a button like, hi, I'm George Washington. I was the president, first president of the United States of America, you know. So... I said, it's not that, so you know if it was something bigger to you, we would, we would make arrangements and take care of that, right? She's like, yeah, okay. The next day, she comes home. Dad, Mom, you're missing the wax museum. It's Friday that you're gone. So I say, Chloe, you know, it's $800 for us to fly back for that day and back and forth. Would you, would you like us to go on a family trip with that $800? I really want you there, Dad. How about we give you the $800? Would you like the $800? You'd give it to me? Well, yeah, it's going to cost us $800. You would really give it to me? Yeah. You want it? I really want you there. So what does a guy do who preaches that family is first? What does a guy do that kingdom is family? He buys those tickets. And he goes and he flies to Charleston with his wife on Wednesday night. They spend one day there. They wake up at 4 in the morning to fly back at 6 to get to Cincinnati at noon to drive as fast as we can to the Wax Museum to spend 19 minutes in that school to get back on the interstate and race back to Cincinnati to fly back to Charleston to get at our house at midnight. That's what a guy does. So then we're coming back Monday night and we're supposed to get in Cincinnati around midnight. The team's all flying to Columbus. And then all of a sudden, Nicole looks at 4 p.m. We're supposed to fly out at 8 p.m. She's like, oh, our flight's delayed an hour and a half. Hour and a half, we're gonna miss our connector in Baltimore. So, uh, so then we're, we're calling. No, there's nothing we can do. Just try to get here. See if you can catch the 5 p.m. flight. We run. We race. We get there at 4.50. We're like, did we make it? No. <sighs> so we ended up getting a flight and getting on the flight that's going to go to Columbus. We're like, no problem. The team's there. They can bring us home. Then all of a sudden, we're like, well, we're not going to wait around for three hours because it's a 40-minute Uber to the city. We can have a 40-minute meal and a 40-minute Uber back. Let's go. We're adventurous. So we go. We, come, we get there, and then all of a sudden, every half hour, our flight gets delayed and delayed. Now, before you know it, we're getting in at 1 a.m., 2 a.m., 2.30 a.m., and we're like, all right, team, you just go home. We'll figure it out. So we end up arriving in Columbus around 3.30 a.m. We take an Uber from Columbus to home while our car is still in Cincinnati, and uh, we get in about 4.45 with this very intense conversation with a Muslim driver who's driving me, and we're just loving on each other and loving on him uh, the whole way here. So anyway, that was our week, and then we had every, something every night this week, and it's like, I get to today, I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So anyway, I'm excited to be here. Let me talk about Memorial Day a little bit. But that's, that's my fun Charleston story. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest with you, with our church, with us, with, when you travel with us, there is always an adventure. 
But, you know, there's beauty in the ashes. Like when we could have just been getting upset about the delays. We end up walking through the city. We go to the shoreline. We end up, we walk past this place through downtown. We're like, Rooftop. That sounds like a cool name for a restaurant. We end up up there. We watch the most beautiful sunset over the city of Charleston while we can see the bay. And and, uh, we had dinner. It was just an amazing surprise date with my hot bride in Charleston downtown. It was so fun. Memorial Day. So Memorial Day started uh, just after the Civil War to honor those who had lost their lives fighting for the freedom in which they were fighting for. So it started as that. In 1921, they started a Memorial Day service at the, um, the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. 1971, it changed names from Decoration Day to Memorial Day. That way we could honor all men and women who have passed away in all wars, not just the Civil War. So, but here's the thing, there's this, there's this thing is of, of sacrifice, and Nicole was talking about sacrifice, and those two songs like, couldn't be more fitting than for today, and it's like, as I stand with, you know, arms high and heart abandoned, in awe of what? The one who what? Gave it all. And then we, we sit there and we talk about the joy, this is the joy of surrender, and what it is to, to sacrifice, and, and I'll be honest with you, one of my favorite movies is, is We Were Soldiers. I love war movies. Anybody else with me? Now, let me tell you just a little fun fact about me. I love chick flicks, too. I'm not joking right now. I really love a good chick flick. Like, Sweet Home Alabama, one of my favorite movies, all right? Just so sweet. I love the happy endings. I love, you know, the man and the woman come together. It's just a sweet story, right? Now, I, pastor, I, I, I parent four girls, so I love that stuff. But, man, guys, I love a good war movie. I love guns. I love shooting animals to eat them. I'm not going to sugarcoat it, Rachel. All right? I'm just not. I love meat. Today, after, after this service, we've got steaks already thawed out. They're preparing themselves in the refrigerator right now. And I'm going to slap that flesh on the grill, and I'm going to dive into that with my knife and fork. It's going to be glorious. I bought burgers, steaks, and brats. We've got it all covered. But anyway, I like war movies, and there's this movie called We Were Soldiers, one of my favorite movies, and Mel Gibson is the main star, and he's the lieutenant general, and they're going into Vietnam, and, and I can't help but think this picture of his speech, and if, how many have seen We Were Soldiers? He's Lieutenant, lieutenant General Hal Moore, and it's based on a book, and, and he's, at this, he's at this opening, um, he's at this speech before they go off to battle, and I can't help but just to remember that speech as a leader, you know? And I can't help to just think, like, he said, we will lose men. We will lose people. There will be people, there will be brothers standing to your left and to your right that will not come home. And I just remember this speech. It's one of the most powerful speeches in movies that I've ever seen. And he says, but I will be the last one on that battlefield. And he goes into battle with them. And then at the end of the movie, you see, you see him step on the helicopter, and he's the last one on that field. Flashes in midway through this movie as men are, in, are losing their lives. It shows this picture of them, of the families back home, and they're playing, and the wives are, 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 are in the homes, and they're with the babies. And all of a sudden, um, Lieutenant Howell's, Lieutenant General Howell Moore's wife looks out, and there's this car pulling up with this stack of mail. These young guys who are, who are full dressed uniform knocking on the doors of the wives whose men weren't going to return home. So she gathers a friend and she takes, she goes to them. These men didn't know these women and these women are just melting and they're doing it somewhat callous because they just don't know. They don't know what to do. 
And this, this woman, this, this strong woman comes and she says, I'll take those. And she takes these stack of official, you know, certified letters. And then she begins, they form a little group and they go door to door, knocking on the doors of the wives and the kids of the men that weren't going to return home. I can't help but to have that picture in my mind for Memorial Day. This beautiful picture of, of men and women losing their lives for our freedom. Listen, we live in the greatest nation on the planet. You had 26 churches to choose from in Tip City, and, and, and you get to choose any one of them. 300 churches in Miami County, over 500 churches in the Dayton region that you could go to today to worship the way in which you want to worship, to worship in the style or the building or the, with the group of people that you want. Why? Because men and women gave their lives sacrificially for you and I to be able to stand up here in awe with arms high and lifted, heart abandoned, in awe of the one, the one, Jesus Christ, who gave it all. Listen, the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate warrior of all time was Jesus going to the cross to sacrifice himself for you and I to be connected back to the kingdom, back to eternal life, back to the Father. Sin had separated us from God, but now all of a sudden, boom, we're connected back to the Father. Why? Because a man came to the earth as Messiah, the son of the living God, and posted himself up on a cross and surrendered with his arms wide open, ready to embrace us, ready to receive us in his hug. And that is the ultimate sacrifice. I can't help but get to get through Memorial Day weekend thinking of these greats in the Bible that risked it all. Gideon going to battle, David going to battle, and these men, and, and most of all, Jesus Christ doing battle in the form of surrender. Listen, the greatest thing about Memorial Day is that we get to honor those who sacrifice so that now we can live in a legacy and inheritance for what they paid for. It's the same thing in the kingdom. It's the same thing in the gospel. Because of the sacrifice that Jesus paid, because of the sacrifice of a Moses giving it all to get from the slavery to the promised land, that gives us all hope that no matter what we're in bondage to, no matter what we're enslaved to, there is a promised land waiting for you and I. Listen, no matter what David sacrificed, when he faced a giant in all adversaries and against all odds, and he takes on Goliath, listen, he sacrificed it all. What is it to present yourselves as a living sacrifice as Romans 12.1 encourages us to do? It's not just an encouragement, it's a command. Present yourselves, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Listen, what does that look like? In Colossians 3.23, it says, everything you do, do as if you're doing it unto the Lord. What does that look like to present ourselves a living sacrifice? What does our surrender look like? What does it look like that we now get to play because others paid a price? What does it look like that we get to live in an inheritance of men and women that went to war for our behalf to sit in this free land? What does it look like in the kingdom for people and revivalists and these people that have made a way and bulldozed through something? Listen, your parents may not have been the best people on the earth. They may have done some very tragic things to you. You may have grown up in abuse, but you may have also had really amazing parents. But either way, you've become a seed of a legacy of an inheritance of whatever they paid so that now you can live in a legacy and inheritance. Let's go to Colossians 3.23. By the way, I had prepared this through the week to speak on joy and laughing today. Then the first service, Nicole does this transition, and all of a sudden I just begin to weep 
and think about the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus. And I begin to get the picture of, of Hal Moore in this movie. And I begin to just think about the greats of the Bible of what it is to present yourself a living sacrifice. We're honoring those who have paid a price so that we live in freedom. Not just in America, but here today. We get to celebrate it in Jesus Christ. We get to celebrate it because we too are part of heaven. Let's go to Colossians 3.23 because there's, a, there's the second part of this verse that's amazing. It says this. It says, work willingly in whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Now it says this. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you're serving is Christ. But if you do what is wrong, you will be paid back for the wrong you have done. For God has no favorites. Listen, those two verses there. It says, remember, the, first, the second one, remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward, and the master you're serving is Christ. Let me tell you one of my favorite stories in the Bible, and I've shared this a few months ago. But here's my favorite, one of my favorites. It's not talked about a ton, but it's, it's definitely something that's popular. David, he's in battle. His men are in battle. His mighty men. Now, now, now listen, you've got to think back to, to Adullam when he's in a time of need in a cave. He's in this, he's in this season of desperation, a season of hurt, the season of, of, of like reckless abandonment, right? All these people come to him in their time of need as well. So it's literally a bunch of misfits, in a sense, coming together. Now from that, now listen, sometimes in our hardest times, sometimes in our cave seasons is when the life is birthed. It's sometimes in that brokenness, it's sometimes in that place when you're in the trench fighting for war that when you get back, you appreciate everything you ever had. We find it happens on missions trips and the places where we go out and we're vulnerable. We find it in military men. We heard George and Nick share on Veterans Day uh, several months ago. And we heard them up here with Matt sharing their hearts of when they were in Iraq and in Afghanistan and what was going on. And, and I remember Nick saying, he made a promise with the Lord, if you keep me safe and bring me back home, I'll serve you all the days of my life. Nick, man, he's one of my best friends. He would literally take a bullet for me even if it was from me. We're, we're not only cousins, we're best friends, but we're covenant. And I would do the same for him. Anyways, I remember him saying, like, God kept his end of the bargain, so I've kept my end of the bargain. And he's raising his family in a legacy in which sometimes was even challenged being passed on to him. Now, now listen, so here, here we are in, this, in these times of brokenness, these times in the trenches, and that's sometimes the greatest breakthrough. Well, here's what happens. So David, they go from Adullam, and in the next city they do is Hebron. It's covenant. It's, it's, it means covenant. Hebron means covenant. So they're in this season now, now when they're in battle, in this story that I'm, I'm referencing to, they're in battle. David happens to be thirsty. And these mighty men, he didn't command them to do this. What is an order? I, I'm a lieutenant at a fire department. And if I'm given an order, I have no choice but to do that order. I can't say, no, no thanks, chief. Ah, tell somebody else. Yeah. No, it's yes, sir. There's no questions. It's military. It's the same thing. So he didn't give this order, but yet the men... The men were giving themselves as a sacrifice. Men that left their families. Men similar to the Civil War or World War II or World War I or the Korean War or Vietnam War. We have Bob who's a decorated veteran and has served several tours in Vietnam to sacrifice and risk his life to protect and to protect the freedom of our nation and us. Now listen, here's these men. David didn't give a direct order, but he's just thirsty. So these men go off. And they say, you know what, our, our, our leader's thirsty. Now, they weren't necessarily just doing it for him. They knew that they were serving for a greater mission. 
Present yourself as a living sacrifice. You do everything you do as if you're doing it under the Lord. For an inheritance is your reward, and you're not really serving people. You're serving Christ is what Colossians 3.24 says. So here they go. They risk it, and they go across enemy lines. They go into enemy territory to retrieve him water in the middle of a desert to risk their lives, to not return home to their families, their wives, their children, right? So here's what happens. They get back. They give him the water. And David says, oh, I can't, I can't but drink this water while my men are in battle and thirsty. He dumps out the water. Now listen, these men sacrificed it all. They gave it all to simply serve the greater mission in honor and submission. Listen, most of our battles need to be fought with this in this position. We give it to you, Lord. This is the joy of surrender when Jesus gave it all, when his battle as a warrior was fighting. It was literally pinned up on a cross in a vulnerable, naked state, giving it for you and I. We think we need to, listen, the only piece of equipment in the armor is the sword. It's the sword. We think we need to get on Facebook and battle these battles, and we think we need to to, to take aggression, and we think we need to get into this place of fixing that person and this person in that circumstance. Listen, what would it look like if, like Nicole said, we get to the front and we just place it at the feet of Jesus? What's that look like when our surrender's this? We sang a song a couple weeks ago. It says, this is how I fight my battles. Listen. There's a season of grieving. There's a season of joy. Ecclesiastes talks about the seasons. James 1, 2, it says, count it all joy the trials you go through. The Bible says, and I believe in Proverbs, it says, you know, laugh with those who laugh, weep with those who are weeping. Listen, here, here's, the, here's the point of all this. There's a time to honor those. There's a time in Memorial Day to honor, but then there's also a season of this is the joy of surrender. My uncle passed away this, this week, and uh, it, Angel, who was at the 9 a.m., it's Angel's dad, Nick and Tiana's grandpa, and my dad's brother-in-law. Anyway, Nick has, has grown so much for my uncle, his grandpa, to be a father figure in his life. So there's beauty from ashes, no matter what circumstance. James 1, 2 says, count it all joy, the trials, the hardships you might go through. Why? Because when we're counting it joy, we're already kicking the enemy in the teeth. We're winning. It's not to say there's not a time of sorrow. It's not to say there's not a time of mourning. There is. It says mourning, weeping, mourning may last through night, but joy comes when? In the morning. Listen, so Nick, he loses his grandpa, and, and you could focus on the death, or you could focus on the inheritance. You could focus on, now it's not to say they can't have a time of grieving and anger and, and these questions of why, why wasn't he healed. We went through that with my mom. But it's this place of where, you know, I get to celebrate the life we had while he was here. I get to celebrate the benefits and the inheritance and the legacy that I'm being left to pass on to the next generations. That's beauty from ashes. That's the inheritance. Let me, let me get into some of the planned message here. Great intro, yeah? It's actually Romans 12, 15. It says, be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Listen, there, there's the season, and, and I began to research all the celebrations in the Bible. And, and, and here's the beautiful thing about Memorial Day. It's a time to honor those who've served. It's time to honor that price. But now we get to live in the inheritance of the benefits that was paid. So it's also the unofficial launch of summer. Isn't that fun? 
in such a tragic holiday, in such a tragic um, time to remember and to honor those who have passed away and given the ultimate sacrifice, now we also get to celebrate graduations. We get to celebrate summer coming in. We get to now move into to cookouts and barbecues and pools. I, I traveled since um, we had a, we put up these portable pools, my wife and I. Every three or four years, we just buy a new one. It's just we call them throwaways. And, and it was supposed to arrive. We had set aside Friday night to do that. It didn't arrive. So I went down to the freight company. I drove to Cincinnati Airport for the third time in a week. And let me just tell you, they're liars. <laughs> it is not the Cincinnati Airport. It's in Erlinger, Kentucky. All right? It is not. It, it's such a false truth. <laughs> so it's an hour and 45 minutes later, fighting all this traffic to bring back the pool. And I told the girls, I said, Daddy will scale highways and byways and alleyways to bring you back a pool for the weekend. And we did. We did. This warrior got that accomplished. We may have been up to 1130 at night, Friday night, assembling things with flashlights, but we got her up. So it's a time of celebration. It's a time of fun. And, and although it's also a weekend to honor, but it's a time of fun. I, I drove by uh, Hobart Arena yesterday, and people are graduating. And, and across the street from my house, I see Tip City's parking lot full, people graduating. I drive by, there's people taking pictures and people celebrating. Listen, God, God, is, not, God is not this angry God where we don't have permission to also celebrate. Even in the time of mourning, even in the time of sadness, there's still this inherent ability for us also to rejoice. Genesis 50, it talks about that what the enemy means for destruction, God will use for good. In Romans 8, it talks about that everything will work to the good to those who love God and are called according to what? His purpose. So we have this thing to where even though there's bad stuff going on, even though we're honoring this weekend, it's also a time of celebration and gladness and fun. But we have to get our perception right that God is good. He is so good. He's better than infinitely, better than any of our imaginations. He is not this angry God waiting in heaven for you just to mess up so he can send his child to hell. He's a good father. We, we sometimes, when I was growing up, I had this picture of this angry God with, with a gavel, like sitting on, on this like, like court stand, like on, this, on like a judgment throne, right? Waiting for me just to sin so he could just, to hell you go, Aaron. No, he's, he, it actually says in Zephaniah 3.17 that he delights in you. He rejoices over you. Psalms 2.4, it says that, that he actually, he who sits in the heavens, what? Laughs. So we have this image sometimes of God being this angry God. Like, like listen, I, I'm, a, I'm a basket case with emotion. I'm supposed to be talking about joy today, and I'm weeping, not getting over the picture. But listen, weeping may last through night, but joy comes in the morning. There's this thing to where God is emotional. Jesus wept. But then you see the children being drawn to him, and you can just picture the joy. And you see the celebrations with the prodigal story. You see the celebration with the coin being found and how they want to celebrate, you know, when the, when the prodigal comes home. Celebrating the weddings in the Bible. Celebrating Jesus' birth. Now, Jesus is obviously the king who loves to throw down some parties, comes to the earth, is born, and people from two different regions at two different times, shepherds and, and wise men, come to throw parties and bring gifts. I like gifts too. I like parties. We love being celebrated. 
So there needs to be a permission not just to weep, but also, and not just to honor, but also to be able to experience joy and enjoy community and the fellowship. In Acts 2, it says that they shared in meals with what? Joy and gladness and generosity. They shared in the meals with joy. That's the community of heaven. It's joy. In his presence is what? The fullness of what? Joy. Let, let, let me get you a few more here. So Psalm 16, uh, 11 says, you make known the path of my life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. Okay? So if we're supposed to be full of his presence and we're supposed to be filled up, we're a river that is supposed to operate in the overflow. All right? We're a river that's supposed to be poured into so that we can be poured out. Our cups, what, runneth like a fountain. So if we're full of his presence, first off, there's the fullness of joy. Also, the fruits of the Spirit include what? Joy. Joy. In Galatians, we learn there's joy. All right, let, let, me, let me continue on here. Nehemiah says that the joy of the Lord is what? Our strength. So, so we're moving on here. Are we ready? Is, is Micah still here? Um, okay, I might need help with the, uh, or, or Caleb, you got it? You able to do it? Cool. We're going to have some fun at the end, releasing joy, releasing the presence in a fun way, okay? So, but here's the deal. Laughing. Here, let me just tell you a short story. Patty Bowen, uh, Steve, Steve's a champion. Steve Bowen is just such a champion. That meal and that, that uh, hosting the leaders on Friday, Josh and, and Steve, Steve planned it all, and Josh helped serve. They set this whole place up. But Steve, you know, I drove by hours later, and he's still here probably setting up the chairs that you're sitting in. Just, just a champion. His wife, if you, if you see, Patty usually sits in the front when he speaks. And Steve will be up here speaking, and then all you start seeing is Patty giggling and laughing. Not at him, but in adoration of who her husband is. It's this beautiful thing. So we asked her on a car ride in Charleston. We said, Patty, why do you laugh so much? Two reasons. I enjoy laughing. Isn't that a reason in itself to be happy? Because I enjoy being happy. Why do you laugh? Because I enjoy laughing. I like laughing. Two, because it releases stress. That was her two reasons. And it lines up with the word. Because I read here in, where is it? Proverbs 17, 22, a cheerful heart, or some versions might allude into laughter, a cheerful heart is like medicine, right? Now, here's what it says. On the flip side, my wife is a recovering and delivered pessimist, okay? She's more so delivered than recovering now. But, and, and I'm an inherent natural optimist, so much so I will annoy the poop out of you I'm so positive, like, like, Aaron, uh, we don't have any money in our account. I don't know how we're going to pay the bills. Ha ha, the Lord will provide. What a great opportunity to exploit Jesus. This is going to be amazing. I might be going through this illness, Aaron. I got diagnosed with Hashimoto's. Now I have to be gluten-free. Oh, now we get a healthy lifestyle. This is going to be amazing. We wanted to lose weight anyway. We'll live longer now. Now we have an excuse, you know. Like, there is some lemonade in every lemon that is exposed to me, right? I'm like the annoying guy that's always happy, all right? So, but it's contagious. Laughter is like a medicine. But then it goes on to say, it says that, but a broken spirit saps a person's strength. Did you know that actually being joyful is a command of God? In 1 Thessalonians 5.16, he says, always be joyful. So many times in the Bible, he says, rejoice. Now, he doesn't say, now, consider being happy. Consider rejoicing. Why don't you consider, just pray about that. 
soak into that, intercede for that, even tarry for it a little bit and see what happens. No, he's telling us rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Every day I call my kids on their way to school. Every single morning I call them, this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. (laughs) Now that deserves a confrontation. Are you meaning what you're saying, kids? Because you don't sound very happy right now. Now, remember, I've already been up for three hours. They're on their way to school, and, and I'm the happy guy. Because, listen, what we're training them, and I've been doing this ever since Chloe was in kindergarten, calling every single morning and having them make a declaration over their day, understanding, acknowledging that God is the one that provided the day. Now we get the choice to actually rejoice and be glad in it. And since there's life and death in the power of our tongue, Now, what I get to do is make a declaration with life that I'm going to choose joy. Joy's a choice. It's not everybody's born to be happy, okay? Every baby that I've ever seen born, nine of them, four in which were my own. I'm a paramedic. So four in which were my own and five that were not my own. Traumatic for me. These babies come out crying and mad. They love mama's womb. They love being warm and cozy in the comfortable little fluid that they're in. And, ah, right? And that's a good thing. When you hear, when we get a phone call in 911, one of the things, if it's a little baby, we, we're saying, is there crying in the background? If there's crying, it's good. Listen, the point is, we weren't all born to be happy. It's a choice. It's still a choice for me. I wake up in the morning, I'm like, woo, another day. This side of the dirt, it's a good day. I'm breathing. I'm alive. I have the ability to walk. So many people don't. And Fridays, I I sometimes trade my Mondays for Fridays. So with the travel, I traded Friday. And me working on a Friday would be some of you maybe working on a Sunday. It's like, oh, Friday? Such an injustice in my life right now. I'm only supposed to work Monday through Thursday at the fire department. It's a Friday. So Friday I went in, and I washed my car, and I'm like, everybody starts rolling in. And I was like, it's Friday. It's going to be a great day. Why is it going to be a great day? Because we're alive. That's why. That's a good enough reason to be happy because I like to be. And it's a good enough reason to be happy because we're alive. The world out there needs to see a happy church in here. The world out there needs to see a happy heart in here. And your mouth is a reflection of your heart. It's an actual image, a mirrored reflection of your heart. So one thing that you can give people without being evasive and so culturally unacceptable with a hug is a hug with your mouth. It's true. How many like when you're being served at a restaurant or something, you love it when the waitress or waiter gives, serves you with joy and gladness and a smile? Well, they like that back. Okay? They like to be honored and respected. We're getting served. We get to be happy. It's a blessing. I talk to so many servers and they're like, man, the people we serve, they can be so rude. I've heard the Sunday crowd after church is the most difficult crowd to serve. Yes, it is. A lot of cracker barrelers over there or former cracker barrelers. That is wrong. Christians should be the most happy people to be served. They should be the happiest people on earth, not Disneyland. The church should be the happiest place in the world. And we should be representing him in the way in which he is in heaven laughing. We should be honoring and tipping so well. Okay, let's close here. Let's close. 
Last thing, chapter 7 of Job. Job's crying out. He's whining. Chapter 8, we go into Bildad's response to Job. And here's what he says in 8.21. It says, he will once again fill your mouth with laughter and your lips with shouts of joy. Job, that's lost everything. He's, it's, he's not yet whining, but he's like, oh, what's going on? And then here's the response. He will fill again, once again, your mouth with laughter and your lips with joy. Listen, joy is attractive. It's contagious. I was watching Shiloh and Lincoln roll around on the floor last night, and, and Lincoln was just laughing. He's nine months old, and Shiloh's three, and our girls are to bed, and these boys are still full of energy. And they're rolling around, and Lincoln's giggling and laughing, and, and we just all begin to laugh and smile. Why? Because when you see, when the kids are up there yelling the declaration for offering, all of a sudden what's happening is we're all laughing because they're laughing, and we're smiling. Joy's contagious. It's attractive. We should do it more often. Sometimes, I, Steve Bowen preached right here. He may have even been flopping around on the floor up here. And he said, sometimes we get too serious when you just need a pinch on the butt. We need to be less serious. There's things to be serious about. You know, when I'm at a fire, you're not going to see me laughing. When I'm crawling around on the floor under smoke and stuff, yeah, I'm not laughing. I'm trying to get out of there alive and do my job. Okay, but, man, day to day, I'm at the station, we're goofing off. The reason firemen joke around so much because our job is stressful. It's like a medicine. We joke. We put peanut butter on the pole. So in the middle of the night, no one knows it, and they get peanut butter all over them. Flour in the bed. We tape the little sprayer at the kitchen sink. Why? Because we're having fun. Because the rest of our job is not fun. We need to when we have the ability to, when we're at home, when we're cooking out, when we're doing these things. On, on Monday, we honor, we pay remembrance to those who sacrifice their life. But now we get to be in the joy of the inheritances of which they paid for. Stand with me. Here's how we're going to close. A song came to my mind as I was leaning into this message. And it's an a cappella song. And it was the first a cappella song to ever be number one on the Billboard's Top 100 songs. Rightfully so. You're about to hear it. Here's what I want you to do. Whoever's around you, if it's two, three people, I want you to grab their hand. And here's what we're going to do. There is a study. You can research this. There is a study that when you laugh, endorphins and hormones are released to reduce the stress and the cortisols and the other things in your body that are harmful. The study was that fake laughter did the exact same thing. Induced laughter, fake laughter, just, just doing laughter, it released the same exact in the amount of the good chemicals and endorphins in your body as real authentic laughter. So sometimes you got to fake it till you make it. And when you start to laugh, it becomes, see, just that alone became funny. So we're going to play this song, and I want you just to do this simple exercise of what the Lord's commanding us to do, to be happy and laughter being a medicine. Strike it, maestro. Huh? They laugh. Just laugh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! <laughs> yeah.
the song I wrote. Woo! I want to sing it. Note All right. Just in this atmosphere, I see smiles be and you're happy. becoming electric. The song is Don't Worry, Be Happy. Right? I can see myself on a beach just enjoying this moment. With my sunglasses on in the ocean. Like, this is happy. All right. So, fake or authentic? We're to be joyful. Hopefully, more authentic than fake. But we love you so much. Let me pray for you. We'll turn that down just a little bit at the moment. And we'll let you leave out here happy with that playing. Okay, Lord, I thank you for um, this this church. I thank you for the body. I thank you for your beautiful bride that is going to be and is so beautiful and joy-filled and hope-filled. You're electric, God. You're so amazing. You rejoice and delight in us. So, God, we just thank you for a great week, and we thank you that we get to honor those who served and paid the final price. We thank you most of all that you as a Savior did that for us. And we get to walk in an inheritance as children, being little boys and little girls who are happy with a great big dad. So we thank you, Jesus. As we go, let us remember that. Remember those who have served and also just be a glorious time with our families as we launch into summer with a beautiful season of joy. Joy, joy, joy. In Jesus' name. Amen. We love you. Have an amazing weekend. Don't worry.